time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Happy Hump Day. Let's talk about the budget yesterday. Anything mm-hmm. jump out at you there? That's a man. That's a big spending budget. That's a big deficit. Big spending budget. Interesting uh, how close Selena Robinson came, or the BC government came, to balancing the budget. For Last this year, fi- yeah. well, the current, the current fiscal one, year, the current year we're in right now. Yeah, it, I mean, originally it was more than a nine billion dollar deficit. Got it down to below uh, five hundred million dollars, which is pretty close to being balanced. Um, it's amazing. It, it is amazing. How did they do that? The BC economy outperformed all expectations. Uh, also got a, a one-time windfall from ICBC's investment portfolio, almost $2 billion. What's that because of the, the bull market and stock market I, I guess last year? I was joking with ICBC officials in the lockup yesterday. You want to take care of my RRSPs for <laughs> me? You know, if you're going to have that kind of return. But still, uh, t- taxation revenue was $10 billion more than anticipated uh, wow. or forecast. So it just shows how what a robust recovery the BC so economy why is had. So why is the deficit going up so much now? Some of the, so, some of the payoffs from the uh, that year was a one-time payoff like ICBC. But the other thing is it may not be as big a deficit as is right now in the books because there's about 5 to $6 billion in contingencies built into this budget. And the reason for that is uh, unknown costs associated, ongoing costs uh, associated with the pandemic, both in terms of, of uh, benefit programs and with the cost incurred in terms of uh, health care. And there's a huge contingency in there associated, uh, I would think, with weather events. If we have another heat dome, wildfire season, yeah. uh, flood season, that contingency will pay for that. But if we don't have a bad weather season, who knows? Uh, that money doesn't get spent, which means it's put against the deficit, which means the deficit of more than $5 billion now could be much lower. I don't think it'll get to a balanced budget, but it could be a lot lower than right now what is forecast. Okay, a lot of commentators, especially from the business community, looking at these big deficits and wondering if there's any plan to balance the budget at any point in the future. And, of course, the finance minister being asked a lot of questions about the spending priorities. Here's what she had to say, Finance Minister Selena Robinson, on a big spending budget. If we're going to get a handle on on climate change, if we're going to get a handle on managing our population growth uh, in the Lower Mainland and and elsewhere, then we need to be making these investments. Your thoughts? Well, there's a lot of investments. (laughs) uh, Just look at the capital side of the the budget, which is uh, almost $30 billion over the next three years of capital spending. Um, you've got uh, more than $5 billion or $4 billion on the education side, building new schools and universities and colleges. You've got more than $8 billion building new uh, hospitals and healthcare facilities, more than $7 billion uh, building new roads and bridges. Yeah. And that's just, I asked uh, Selena Robbins yesterday, can this be sustained? I mean, the debt now is going to go from $90 billion to $127 billion. It will double, the debt will double, will have doubled in 10 years. Um, the debt used to be a big thing. Remember the debt clock and all those 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 things associated with that. We don't talk about provincial debt so much anymore. The percent of uh, debt percentage to GDP is right. starting to approach twenty five percent, which is problematic. Well, she was patting herself on the back for that, saying that this is a sustainable debt load. And then Falcon, like Kevin Falcon, the Liberal leader, former finance minister, I had him on earlier on the show, and he was saying, "Well, it was half of that mm-hmm. when he was when he was when, finance yeah. minister." Debt-to-GDP ratio. Yep. Yeah, so, no, he, uh, on the other hand, Falcon also said yesterday he is a big fan of capital spending. You know, he pointed out when he was a transportation minister and finance minister, uh, he'll take credit for this. He built the Canada Line, the South yeah. Fraser Perimeter Road, uh, started the um, Evergreen Line expansion. 
Sea uh, to Sky Highway. So those are yeah. all capital projects. It's the thing about capital projects, they're all popular with the public. Sure. You know, but there is a, a you know, it does increase the debt. And right yeah. now, the next three years are really going to uh, ratchet up the debt. After that, perhaps uh, these things are being, a lot of infra- infrastructure is being built right now because the vast majority of infrastructure in BC in terms of roads and a lot of public buildings and such were built in the 50s and 60s. And, and a lot of it was damaged in the floods and the yep. landslides. And so obviously a lot of this stuff is is necessary, but it's yep. interesting that uh, the NDP is continuing on what the BC Liberals did, which is have a big capital portfolio uh, spending uh, projects, but it does add to the debt. Okay, let's listen to a little bit of what Kevin Falcon had to say to me, the new Liberal leader earlier in the show, and we talked about some of these big spending plans from the government. Uh, he noted that they're spending on the books to his favorite project, the Massey Tunnel replacement project. He's no longer called the Massey Tunnel. It's well, now oh. the, it's now the Fraser River um, Tunnel project. Really, the Massey name was taken out in the budget yesterday. Oh, so really? It's, it's going to be renamed. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Okay, so let's listen to Falcon here. I think he's going to talk here about the Massey Tunnel. Have a listen. They're now asking us to wait ten more years for an eight-lane tunnel that will give you the same number of commuter lanes that we have today, and it's going to cost $4.5 billion. It's just, it's, I, I've, I've never seen a dumber capital decision in my lifetime. Okay, your thoughts. Yeah, the, <laughs> the tunnel replacement project, as I say, is no longer going to be called the Massey replacement project. It's a political football for both parties. I'm not sure uh, what the what the right answer is politically in terms of where the voters are, but uh, the NDP is now embarked on the path uh, to get the wheels moving in motion to get this thing done. It's going to go through the environmental assessment, which is going to take some, some time. Let me ask you about another topic we covered on the show yesterday, and this is BC Housing Minister David Eby with this threat mm-hmm. to take over some municipal building permitting powers. Yep. So here he is saying, like, we're not building enough homes that people can afford. The municipalities are not getting it done. Mm-hmm. They're too slow in approving these building projects. So I, I might just take this over. Yep. Uh, and I've heard other I've, I've heard other ministers promise to do something similar. I remember Mike DeYoung, when the Liberals were in power, said something yep. similar and never did it. So I, I think it would take a lot of jam to do that, to actually take this jurisdiction away from municipalities. But let me get your thoughts on, like, Craig Hodge, who was a Coquitlam City Councillor here. I had him on yesterday. He represents the Union of BC Municipalities. He does not like this. He's basically telling the province, stay out of it. This is our turf. Here's what he had to say to me, and I'll get your thoughts. I think that we need to respect local government autonomy and the, and the rights of local citizens to have a say in how their community develops. Uh, it's only recently that the provincial government is starting to point the finger and say, well, you're, you're not doing enough at the local level to, uh, to approve the housing. Okay, your thoughts. Is, is EB really going to do this? This has been building for years. As you mentioned, Mike DeYoung started to muse about this. The provincial uh. government's been frustrated with municipal, to varying degrees, municipalities dragging their heels and improving projects. I've talked to developers who told me in Vancouver it can take five years to get something through the, the, the pipe. So I'm not sure EB's going to follow through with a 100% takeover of this, but I think he's going to have some a carrot and stick approach to get municipalities to move quicker uh, on improving housing. Okay, we're going to watch that one closely. You know, it's, it's fascinating because yeah. it is going to be a tug of war between the, the two levels of government. For sure. Um, so let me ask you about the shirt that you're wearing right now, and I wish the listeners could see this because today is Pink Shirt Day, okay? So this is the day that we stamp out bullying. The theme of this year's Pink Shirt Day is 
lift each other up, which I think is a great theme. Lots of kids wearing pink shirts at school today. Yeah. And, and you and you have a pink shirt I, on. I have a very unique pink shirt on that I wear every year around the BC legislature. It's fading, though, as you can see. Yeah. It's almost white, but it's still a, a pink hue to it. But it's a leader. It's a shirt from the B- Bill Vanderzam leadership campaign from 1986 that was given to me by his co- campaign co-chair Rita Johnston, who became premier after Bill Vanderzam. So it's a unique political artifact that uh, gets a lot of tongues wag. I just wore it into the legislative dining room. Half the people there had no idea. Like who's <laughs> who's Vanderzam? What? What? No. But yeah, it was. Some people said I didn't even know how to pronounce it. It just. Oh. You know, what, what does Zalm mean? <laughs> No, Zam, the uh, Zam. But some staff did know. Um, so it's uh, it's a uh, it's a uh, a talker in, in the legislature. That state. is a collector's item, it is d- indeed a collector's item, and I wear it once a year. I don't wash it because I think the the pink would. It is kind, it is of, kind of fading. It's it got fading. like uh, it's a, sort of a button up shirt. It's yeah. got Vanderzam's name on the front. It's got a check mark next to blue, it. Blue uh, check mark. Blue yeah. name Vanderzam. Vote and, for Vanderzam. Yep, yeah, and uh, he won that leadership race, of course. Yeah. But it's, so it's uh, his campaign shirt given to me by the woman who succeeded him as Premier Rita Johnson. I also have a baseball signed by Rita Johnson. She <laughs> threw it at my at, at the press table in the, in the ninety one election campaign at a, at a campaign stop. It was just a pretty good fastball right at my head. I caught it with one hand as I continued to take notes of her speech. She threw a baseball at your she, head. She, Why did she do that? Still unclear. She she <laughs> talked about some, some baseball metaphor and then she said, "Right, Keith," and threw the ball right at me, <laughs> and I caught it, which impressed people with one hand while I continued to take notes. And okay. afterwards, she signed it for me. Okay. I've just taken a photo of you in the Vanderzam collectible shirt. If you put that on eBay, I think you'd get a lot of money yeah, You for just it. tweeted it. I, I'm going to tweet in a minute. I haven't sent it out yet, but follow me on Twitter. And it's not going on eBay. The photo. It's my, it's a life. No, you don't want to sell that one. No. Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry is my guest. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. John in Vancouver. Hi, John. Go ahead. Yeah, hi guys. Uh, I'd like to express uh, my view of uh, the segment you're doing with uh, Keith expressing the fact that he's wearing a pink shirt. Um, as a listener to your radio station for years, I have never felt any more attacked and bullied by many of your on-air personalities, including Mr. Baldry, in regards to the decision that you somehow or other don't agree with. But I, when it comes to vaccinations, I've heard nothing but demeaning words mean-spirited uh, suggestions, uh, talk of prohibitions for people's rights because they don't believe in what it is you believe. And those actions are the definition of bullying. In case some of you there don't realize it, your words have impacted on people immensely over the last number of months. And I find it very, very hypocritical that anybody on that station this week or today can even utter the word bully without looking in the mirror and seeing exactly what it is you've been okay. doing to people. Well, so I've covered... Thank, thank so you, John. 92% of the population is vaccinated. Now, I've covered many protest rallies. I've never been threatened more or harassed more or bullied more than by anti-vaxxers. Anti-vaccination uh, rallies are, are not just me, my colleagues, whether it's Camille... At our station, Dan Burrett, uh, CBC, last yeah. week at the border, were almost cri- well. They were criminally harassed. They had to be rescued by the police by these anti-vaxxers. Our colleagues in Ottawa, um, our colleagues in Global, CTV, CBC, had to hire bodyguards and security to protect them as they co- tried to cover these protests. Yeah, and the other thing is like 
you know, people will make their own choice about their own health care and whether they take the vaccine or not. Um, and as you said, there, there's a small minority of people who have chosen not to take the vaccine, which is their right. And I've never, the reason- I've never attacked them, but there are consequences of not getting vaccinated. And it's not me or you or NW setting out the consequences. It's yeah. public health and governments of all ideological hues across the country. Yeah. And the other thing to keep in mind is, and, and you know, I respect someone's right to, to make a, the choice of what they want to make. Uh, the the reason that the country is so divided right now is because of the, uh, as we saw on, dramatically unfold in Ottawa, is with the the vaccine mandates and the restrictions. And if someone says to me that we should drop the restrictions and drop the mandates, I think that's a reasonable position to hold, especially as we're getting toward the end of this pandemic and things seem to be getting better. So, you know, I think all of us would like to see the mandates be dropped. We'd like to see the restrictions be dropped. I, I think would, most I people would, would like to I see would that. Not, no, Poland doesn't support that. The majority of Canadians do not want mandates dropped. Maybe not all of them, but I, you no, know, a majority. I think the last thing is read was seventy plus percent. One of the polls still want mandates in place because the vast majority of, of Canadians are. So vaccinated. you mean like most people would like to see if, if you're unvaccinated, you should not be allowed to go on a plane forever. Vaccinated people, so many people I talk to say they feel very comfortable with the mandate because they feel safe when they go into places. They know every single person in there is vaccinated. Every person in the legislature is vaccinated. You see, to me, that is the bottom line on this is that how many of these restrictions are going to be in place forever? Because if we go back to the start of this, remember 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 what Bonnie Henry said at the start? She said, this is not forever. This is just for now. And it was interesting what she said last week about looking towards the fall. Yeah. where she does not see these restrictions coming back no matter what because we will have achieved herd immunity. And that's what vaccinations are all about. It's not We don't have 100% of the population vaccinated against measles. There are some people who will not get a measles vaccine, but they're not restricted in terms well, of their activities. Well, that's right. So, so what and, I'm saying and is... And that's if, where we're headed towards. Well, okay, so you're saying that eventually, if you're not, if you're not vaccinated against COVID-19 you will not face restrictions I, either. That's the way I, I, I view it. Eventually. Yeah, and I think that's going to be sooner than later. I don't think yeah. it's, I don't think we're talking years. I think it's, we're, it was, again, interesting to hear Bonnie Henry, Teresa Tan, the federal provincial health officer, sort of changing the tune here that we are getting to the point where mandates will no longer be required, but we're not quite there well, yet. Well, I asked Bonnie Henry on this show last week whether some of the mandates would remain permanent. And she's, she believed that some of them would, well, one of them, as they apply to, let's say, healthcare workers, or if you work in a long-term care facility. That, those are the two that okay. may last for, you're right. For, and I think you but can, I think the, 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 the vaccination, keep in mind, there's mandates and there's vaccination uh, requirements going to a restaurant, for example. I think we're going to get to the point sooner than later where you don't need to show your vaccination card to go to a restaurant. Well, I would hope so that we're yeah. going to drop the vaccine but card at some point. in terms of working in a long-term care home, that may be on the books for but, quite But, you know, the time. travel restrictions to me are the biggest one. Like, if someone is unvaccinated, like John the caller, it sounds like, you know, are you going to say to him that you will never be able to allowed to travel on an airplane or a train anytime ever? No, I think, if, I think okay. that's, uh, that's like going to a restaurant. I mean, it's, it's going to get to the point where those, I think, will disappear. But the mandates in terms of occupations yeah. may stick around. And again, very few occupations. I, I don't think the federal, I think the federal government will probably relax its vaccination mandate, which applies to all federally regulated employees. That will probably go off the books as well. Okay. Uh, John, I'm, I'm glad you were able to get that off your chest and have your say. You know, I appreciate you calling. We have other, co- we, we spent the, the entire call segment talking about your call. 
So I do appreciate it. We couldn't get to everybody else's calls, though. So I just encourage you today to phone the buzz line. Leave me a voicemail there. We may play it later. 604-331-BUZZ is the number. 604-331-2899. Keith, thank you for coming in today.